All right, good morning, Eastgate Church. How are we doing today? Yeah, yeah. hey, if you're in love with Jesus, let me hear you go, whoop, whoop. <laughs> I love it. Crazy church people doing whoop whoops in the church house. I can't believe y'all would be all like that, playing the loud music with the bass dropping and all that stuff. Hey, church should be fun, right? Should be fun. So glad that you guys are here today. Thank you for everyone joining us online. Uh, Hey, if you would, take a second, as always, and remember to like and share the live stream to help spread that word so we can reach as many people as we possibly can. I can't believe that we are about halfway through the month of June. This year is just screaming by. I just can't believe it. Our uh, kids ministry just got back from kids camp. And I'm telling you, God did some powerful stuff there. Hey, we had one of our kids get filled with the Holy Spirit at kids camp this year. How awesome is that? I love it. Men, don't forget next week's Father's Day. Listen, I got a message that's going to challenge and encourage you and build you up. I think we need to see more men stepping forward in the church today. I think we need to see more men stepping forward in society today. You know, as the men go, so the church goes. As the church goes, so the culture goes. As the culture goes, so our world goes. So men, you've got a lot of importance. And next week we're going to talk about that. And I'm really excited about our 4th of July hangout. I know uh, Pastor Rachel was talking about that a little bit earlier. I can't wait. I love good food. How many of y'all love food? Golly. I love food. I know some people that just got smokers for their birthday, so maybe we can talk them into smoking some nice meat for us on that day. It's going to be an abbreviated service. We're going to worship God. We're going to get into the Word, but then we're going to have time to hang out and fellowship as a church, which is just as important as anything else we do. I believe that if we're going to be the body of Christ, we ought to be able to hang out and be the body of Christ. Amen? So. We're going to hang out that day and have some fun. We're going to play cornhole. We're going to play some cards. We're going to eat some really good food. We're going to rent some inflatable stuff for the kids to play on, like bounce houses and water slides. And maybe even some of the adult big kids can play on some of that too, as long as you don't hurt the little kids. I know how some of y'all are. I've got to start talking about that now so when we get to the 4th of July, we won't have to send kids to the ER because y'all got too rowdy on them in the bounce house. So, but it's going to be a great day, be an awesome opportunity to invite people on that day. And we're going to try to spin it as an outreach to our community. So we're going to put a lot of advertising behind it and invite our community to come join us on that day as we celebrate not just our country's freedom, but the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ. Amen? So it's going to be a great day. It's going to be a great day. A lot of fun stuff coming up. I'm more excited, though about what we're going to talk about today. Somebody accused me last week of being excited all the time. They said, Pastor Josh, you're excited about every new series. You're excited about every message that you preach. I don't know. Exactly, you know, every week I'm excited about it, man, because it's, it's living and it's active and it's burning inside of me and i got to get it out. i got to get it out. So glad you're here today. Get ready to catch some stuff because I'm going to be slinging it everywhere this morning. But uh, I'm ready to dive into this next message in uh, the life of the Apostle Paul. He's one of the most powerful figures in Scripture next to Jesus, in my opinion. He's one of my favorites uh, just because the guy was so determined. The guy was unstoppable. And he understood and was able to explain and break down the deep concepts of Scripture. He did so much for us. Um, How many of y'all were here last week for the message? 
Hey, if you weren't here last week or you didn't get to watch online, I would encourage you with all my heart to go check it out. Uh, I really believe it's not just going to be a blessing for your life, but I believe that it's a transformative word that will impact your life. And hopefully today will be the same for you. So let's not drag around any longer. Let's open our Bibles to the book of Galatians or your tablets or your phones or whatever you're reading on today. We're going to put the scriptures up on the screen for you. And we're going to look at this next little section of Paul's life. Paul just had this big conversion moment on the road to Damascus and Jesus got all up in his kitchen and talked to him about his grits and his bacon and his gravy and all that stuff. And, and Paul was having a huge transformation and change take place in his life. And then this happened. We're going to pick it up in Galatians chapter 1, starting at verse 11. This is Paul writing out of his own experience. He says, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. I love this because this is the same Jesus that when Paul was Saul, he would have thought was a false prophet. And here he is giving praise to Jesus for the revelation that he has given him, giving Jesus credit for the stuff that he's preaching in his life. He says, For you've heard of my previous way of life in Judaism and how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I love the way that Paul doesn't try to hide his past. He's open with it. Because, hey, you guys know who I am, and probably when he's writing this, he's writing this maybe to some of the people that he locked up. Maybe he's writing this and some of the family members of these people that are reading this might still be in jail because of the damage that Paul did to the church when he was Saul. And I love, though, that he doesn't hide from this. Or he, he embraces it, and he uses it as a tool to give glory to God for what he's done in his life. And I want to encourage everybody, listen, I know we've all got a past. Now look at the person next to you and say, hey, Oh, that was horrible. Okay, let's try that again. Look at the person next to you and say, hey, you got a past. So we've all got a past. We've all got stuff that we've messed up in. We've all got stuff that we'd like to go back and have a do-over, be able to redo it, you know. Listen, let me encourage you. Don't hide from that. Don't bury it. Don't try to conceal it. Don't be even, don't be ashamed of it. Let that stuff see some daylight and give God glory for what he's brought you through and let him take those ashes and make something beautiful out of it and change some people's lives with the stuff that you've been through because you never know how God can use your testimony to impact somebody else's life. Man, don't hide that stuff. I love how Paul didn't hide where he came from, but he embraced it and said, Hey, listen, I know I was this way, but you see how I am now. And if nothing else, how I am today compared to how I was ought to give enough testimony to the fact that Jesus has changed my life. So that was advancing in Judaism beyond many my own age. And among my people, I was extremely zealous for the traditions of my father. See, Paul's kind of giving them a background on himself. Hey, y'all remember how jacked up I used to be. Listen, when I came into this, I was advancing in my field of choice. I was doing really good. I was real successful by the world's standard. And then he says God just kind of yanked him out of all of that. He says, but when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb, 
and called me by His grace, was pleased to reveal His Son in me so that I might preach Him among the Gentiles. My immediate response was not to consult any human being. I didn't go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but now pay attention to this. But I went into Arabia, later returned to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted to Cephas and stayed there with him for 15 days. So Paul just had this massive conversion in his life. And instead of running to the nearest pulpit to preach, instead of jumping out of the gate and starting to work miracles and raising people from the dead and grabbing a pen and some parchment and starting to write the majority of the New Testament, God hits Paul's on the life of Paul. And he sends him to Arabia for three years. And he just drops off the map. For three years. And we don't know what happened in Paul's life. It was a quiet season in his life where probably God had him set aside for a purpose to begin to work in him and build something in him to prepare him for the ministry that he was going to walk into to later on in his life. And you see this pattern in so many major figures in the Bible. You see where um, God will always prepare in private before he promotes in public every time. He'll prepare in private before he promotes in public. As Paul, you were real successful doing the things that you did before, but I'm going to use those as tools to help you connect in the future ministry that I have for you. But I've got so much more I need to show you and revelations that I need to get inside of you. And you need to grasp and understand. Like, you're very legalistic, but I need to get you to understand the depth of my grace and my love. And I'm going to need to set you aside for a season in life to prepare you for what I've called you to do. You know, God will set you aside sometimes in life and just hit pause on things and where you think you're ready to jump into the next season and jump into the next step or jump into the next whatever it is. He'll hit pause and he'll say, hey, not yet. I've got to do some work inside of you. It wasn't just in Paul's life. I mean, nobody's exempt from this. Jesus had this happen in his life. A lot of people don't realize this is 18 years of the life of Jesus that we really don't know anything about. We see him at around the age of 12, and then pff, he just disappears and comes back on the scene around age 30 to begin his ministry. Even the Son of God, who never committed a sin, who said stuff like this, that that I and my Father are one. And was so close to God, he would say, I only do what the Father says for me to do, and I only say what the Father tells me to say. That close to his Father in heaven, and he still had to go through 18 years of off-the-grid, private time, of preparation, and for no other reason, just to show us by example that nobody is exempt from God's process of growth in our lives. Everybody say process process. You see it. In Elijah, God pulled him away. After he walked out, pronounced a, a drought on the land, and God just snatched him away and put him down in a little ravine for a few years and said, stay here so I can work on you. 
You see it in the life of Moses, same thing. In uh, Joseph's life, we kind of get a behind-the-scenes view of what was going on because God gave Joseph a dream and showed him all his brothers and his family bowing down and showed him that he was going to be providing for the nation and showing him in, a, in this place of extreme power. But it, you see Joseph taking a route that took him everywhere but where God showed him he was going to be. And you can see sometimes how God takes you on this journey that doesn't make sense to you at the time, but all along the way, he's preparing you for what he wants you to step into in life. And you see it in the life of David. David's out there shepherding sheep, and Samuel the prophet comes walking up. David comes out of the pasture from watching the sheep, and he gets anointed king over Israel. And then you know what the next step was? Walk right up to the throne, take over, rule with authority. No, he got to go right back out to the pasture and watch the sheep. You know, you can be anointed and called and even know what God is going to do with your life and still have to go into the process of preparation so that you're ready to take the weight of the ministry and calling that God is going to put on your life. It's all there. None of us are exempt from it. You know, I remember when uh, Kelly got pregnant the first time. Um, I had something to do with that, but uh, she she was pregnant and and she started going through these changes. You know, a woman goes through changes when she gets pregnant. A lot of changes. Some of y'all women are starting to stare at me. So don't worry, I'm going to be nice to you. But a woman, a woman goes through a lot of changes like Optimus Prime as a transformer and got nothing on what happens to a woman's body. She transforms in so many different ways. It's crazy. Her brain changes shape, you know. And Ke Kelly, she, she began to get sick in the mornings and she was exhausted and tired all the time and was constantly just, if she would stand still long enough, she would just fall asleep, you know, grabbing naps here and there because that little baby was just taking all the energy out of her. She started eating like a starved teenage boy. Just anything she could grab. Just, the pets were worried. Like they started walking faster around her because she was just grabbing and eating everything. And she started, she started putting on weight, you know. She started getting bigger and... Uh, her ankles and feet started swelling up, and I, I learned something, too. This is a fun fact for all you guys that are thinking about starting a family one day. Uh, a woman's hormones double about every three days during a section of her pregnancy. That, that's so much. That's so that's so many hormones just bouncing around that you have to navigate. You know, you just don't know if she's going to be laughing or crying or throwing spatulas or what, what's going to be happening. And it could all happen in the same 30 seconds, you know, for a woman. Because there's so much going on. Her body's in constant change. And I remember one day, like Kelly, Kelly was hungry and I guess we were out of snacks in the house. And she said, Josh, I need a snack. I said, okay. I'll go get some in a minute. Big mistake. <laughs> Josh, I need a snack now. Okay, we'll go get some snacks. I'll go, I'll go get it. So I, said, so I said, babe, what do you want? And she says, all of it. Just get, just get all of it. Pretzels, chips, chocolate, the whole thing, popcorn. Just get it all. So I went and spent about 
50 or 60 bucks on snacks and brought it back to the house and just gave it to her and closed the door. I love you, I love you. There's so much that she was going through and uh, I'm having fun with it now because it was a learning experience for me, you know, because that kind of stuff's just not on a guy's radar for the most part. So I learned a lot through that process and I remember towards the end of her pregnancy, man, she, she was ready for that baby to make its debut. You know, you ladies that, that have gone through the, the, the process of being pregnant, right there when you're right on that, that end of the fourth quarter, the game's almost over, you're ready for that to be done and over with, right? We're ready to move on to the next stage. That turkey's just cooked a little too long in the oven. It's time to get that thing out of there and have Thanksgiving. So I get it. So she was just ready for that thing to come out. And it seemed like it would. this whole process of pregnancy was never ending, you know, and I was thinking about it in relation to this message, you know, if we had gone to the doctor and said, what's wrong with Kelly? She's sleeping all the time. She's gaining weight. Her back's hurting. Her ankles and feet are swelling up. You know, she, her hormones and emotions are all over the place. She's eating like a starved wolf. Just and just eating everything she can get a hold of. What like what is going on with her? He, the doctor would probably laugh and say, "This is what happens. This is what happens. This is part of the process of being pregnant. These things always happen when you're pregnant. And I know sometimes when you're going through the process of God growing you." You're going through the process of God, grabbing those little pruners and trimming off the branches so that we can be more productive and fruitful for Him. And He's working on us, and it seems like you're going through those seasons where the thing that you're praying for always seems just out of your reach, and you're waiting to get to the thing that's burning in your heart, and that, that new ministry, that new business, that, that next level in your walk with Him, that answer to that prayer. I get in those seasons that it can be uncomfortable, but I want to encourage you that it's just part of the process. It's just part of the process. You're going to go through those things while God is stretching you and growing you. So if you don't take anything out of the message today, I want you to be encouraged. I don't want you to get frustrated and I don't want you to give up in the middle of this process because what you're experiencing is normal and God's reward is on the other side of what you're walking through in life right now. His promises are always faithful. He always keeps His word, but I know what it's like to have to walk through the process to be in the last half of that last trimester ready for that baby to pop out. But it's all part of it. And I think part of the reason for our struggle is because we think, like, we think we're ready to move on before God's actually through working in us. Like we've got, for us, we, we have a microwave mindset, but we serve a crockpot God. You know what I mean? Okay, I need to grow and get a better handle on my anger. No problem. Just put it in the microwave. 30 seconds, bing, all right, we're done. Okay, what's next, Lord? It was like, no, 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 no. We're going to go all the way back to your childhood. And we're going to go through these 
moments of traumatic stuff that you've suppressed and you've buried, and I'm going to rip that stuff out of you one issue at a time until we've got that heart completely cleaned of all of that stuff. He loves the crock pot method, and, and sometimes I'm grateful for it. Like, if I was cooking food, I would so much rather have it out of a crock pot than a microwave. You know what I mean? A nice pot roast. Whew. It's been cooking on low all day with some potatoes and some carrots and whatever else you want to put inside of that versus a hot pocket that you could have in just a couple of minutes. Hot pocket's going to wreck the rest of your day if you eat it. But the pot roast is going to change your life when you eat it. You know, God is he's a, he's a crock pot kind of God. He likes to take his time because he wants to make sure. And this is the motive. Okay, it's not like God is saying, I want to put this carrot in front of you and lead you along and just let you almost get there in, la in life and, and laugh the whole way. No, his, his whole motive is to prepare us so that we can be successful as we move closer to who he's called us to be and as we move further into the calling that he's got on our lives. He wants to see us set up um, for success. I... I'm going through withdrawals here lately, guys. I need football in my life. I need football in my life. Like I, I'm, it's been way too long. I need, I need to see some people just get the fool knocked out of them on some tackles. I need to see some passes. I need to see some epic runs from some running backs. I need to see some linebackers just change somebody's life in one shot. I need to see all that stuff, you know. I learned some stuff about the NFL, though, that I hadn't really known before. Uh, did you know? Now, some of you, most of you know this. Some of you who don't know anything about football, let me educate you on some stuff. A football game, by the game clock, is going to be 60 minutes long. Okay? If it doesn't go into overtime, 60 minutes long. Now, if you're watching it at home... You guys know how this translates. Before you get to timeouts and you get commercial timeouts and all these breaks, a football game is going to take somewhere between three and sometimes four hours to play out for an hour's worth of game. And an hour's worth of game, this blew my mind when, 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 I, figured this, or when I found this out, uh, there is only 11 minutes of contact and play in a 60-minute game. 11 minutes. The average play in the NFL lasts around four seconds. Between four and five seconds, closer to four. And before the game is over, only 11 minutes of those 60 minutes are going to be spent just pad to pad, routes and receivers and catches and runs and all that stuff, 11 minutes. If you add all of that time through a 16-game, now it's a 17-game season, isn't it? Okay, a 17-game season now. That's just a little over three hours of contact and play time. In a 17-game season. Do the math, you'll find it out for yourself. 17 games, a little over three hours of contact and play time. Amazing, and that's your football season. For those 11 minutes in a game, those players spend an entire offseason in the gym, pounding it out, getting stronger. 
They spend time out on the field running routes to make sure their routes are tight. They do agility drills to make sure that they can cut and do all those crazy moves. They, for months, during the, hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of hours of just going through the grind of trying to develop what they've got so that they can make those 11 minutes count. All the hours of practices and the hours of memorizing the playbook and trying to get along with the other teammates and gelling and coming together as a team that buys into what the coach is, is, is talking and, and trying to get out into the team as a, as a philosophy and work ethic. All that stuff, all that behind-the-scene work comes into play and the highlights that we go crazy over in those 11 minutes a game. There's a lot of behind-the-scene preparation that takes place and hopes of them being able to wow and dazzle us and put together awe-inspiring stats and make the Pro Bowl and, or, or, or become epic and enter the Hall of Fame in those 11 minutes that they get. All that work their entire life, really, into 11 minutes a game. It's crazy when you think about it like that. So much preparation goes into such a little window of opportunity to make an impact in their field. And we understand it when it comes to things like football or baseball or paying our dues at work and getting through the probation period and working our way up through the ranks from just the low man on the totem pole to eventually becoming some, someone up in management or maybe upper leadership in the company. We know that a lot of times that takes time. And I wonder why we can't transfer that understanding to our walk with God and see that He wants to do so much to prepare us. And he's more interested, really, in what he does in us than what he's able to do through us. Because he's putting us through a process of growth. Trying to make us a little more like the person that he's called us to be. And that's what he's doing in Paul's life right here. Before you go off and do any of that stuff, I want to do some work in you. Because there's some amazing stuff. There's some amazing stuff that I've got for you to do. You're going to preach messages. You're going to write more than half of the New Testament. You're going to raise people from the dead. You're going to travel on these great missionary journeys. You're going to disciple Timothy, who's going to be a world changer in his own right. You're going to do all these amazing things and plant all of these churches. But before you do any of that, I need you to hit pause and let me work inside of you or you're not going to be able to stand up to the rigorous routine that you're going to walk into and in trying to do what I've called you to do in life. And God wants to do the same stuff in us. And I got some things I wanted to pull out and talk about today. And you're looking at how God grows us through the process of development in our lives and probably what he was doing in the life of Paul. And we're going to look in the book of Romans in a little bit at what Paul wrote about uh, God's development in our lives and, and how he works. And I think a lot of that has to do with what God was doing in his own life. And if you take your notes, write this down. God establishes our identity in the process. He establishes our identity in the process. We have got to know who we are in Christ. And we've got to know whose we are in Christ too. It's important. 
Because if you don't have that to stand on, man, you will fall for every lie of the enemy when he whispers doubt in your ear. So, got to establish who you are, Paul. Got to establish that in your life because there are going to be people that are going to criticize you later on. And they're going to say you're a better writer than you are a preacher. And if you're not secure and confident in who you are in me, it's going to derail you and it's going to knock you off track because you're going to want to please them instead of pleasing me. You know, there, there are going to be times where you're shipwrecked, where you get thrown in jail, where you get beaten by rods and by whips. And if you don't understand who you are in me, it's going to cause you to question what I'm doing through this whole process. And if you don't understand that you belong to me and I am working all things out for the good, if you don't have that identity, you're not going to be able to stand on the stuff that life is going to throw at you and the enemy is going to throw at you. And guys, I'm here to tell you, if we don't completely understand who we are in Christ, it's going to be easy for us to get tossed backwards and forwards in the storms of life. Because we've got nothing to anchor ourselves to. That's a good place for an amen right there. Nothing to anchor ourselves to. Our, our identity, it protects us from pride in our life. Because it keeps us from thinking that we're more than we actually are. And it reminds us that everything that we do, we're doing through the strength that Jesus gives us and the opportunity that he gives us. And it helps protect us from stepping out of God's will and grabbing that plow and grabbing the, the reins of life and trying to blaze our own trail and take over because we don't trust him because we don't trust the fact that we belong to him and we're secure in our relationship with him and that he's always going to work things out for us. It helps protect us from comparing ourselves to other people. And I think this is where the battle is more often than not, when God is working on us. And you understand what I'm saying when I'm talking about those times where God is working on you, right? Man, every time you open up the Bible, boom, it's right there. When you have conversations with people, boom, it's right there. Those triggers keep getting pulled in your life over and over because God is putting a spotlight on the stuff that you need to work on and grow through so that you can stand at this next season of calling and ministry and purpose that he has for you. Well, comparison, and that's one of the most frustrating things. It's one of, it's one of, it's, if there's anything that would poison your health spiritually through the process of God growing you, is comparing yourself to somebody else. Like, what is it about us that makes us want to gauge our progress based on what somebody else is doing in their own personal calling in life? God's teaching me how to trust him with my finances or God's showing me how to get a hold of my emotions or the Lord's showing me that I need to take more time and spend time in his presence being saturated and covered by him and going to deeper places in my walk with him than ever before. And it feels kind of stale during the time where he's working on us. And then we look over at Fred and Fred's got a new truck. God, I'm giving like you said, to give, and I'm broke every month, and there goes Fred with a new truck, and you compare what's going on in other people's lives. See, it builds frustration in your own life. God, I'm believing you to bring somebody into my life, and every friend I've got, every friend I've got has got a ring on their finger but me. You compare yourself to what's going on in other people's lives. 
it brings frustration in your own. And if you stop and you think about like Paul's life, I mean, think about this for a second. If you were to compare what he did in his lifetime statistically to what we would call a successful ministry today, Paul really wasn't that successful in ministry. He was in and out of jail, so he's a convict. He preached so well that he took people off and they beat him with rods and whips. Okay? Uh, he went on missionary journeys and tried to plant churches, but the churches that he planted, they never really grew to any significant number and they were always dealing with issues. You know, it, there was never a season of peace that seemed like in Paul's life. And if Paul wasn't secure in who he was, it would have been easy for him to compare his success against Peter's or against Thomas's or against one of the other apostles or disciples and gotten frustrated with what was going on and maybe thinking back on the success that he had in his former life while he's living homeless under a tree, having not eaten for a couple of days, wondering where the next meal was going to come from. You know, that comparison can be a huge derailer in the process of God trying to grow us. Uh, Paul wrote this, Later on, he wrote, just knowing where he came from and when, what he walked through, about whose he was, and when, when he wrote about how his identity was hidden in Christ Jesus. There's a depth of understanding there in Paul of, of who he was and who he belonged to that just almost seemed unshakable. And I think that's why he was on the other side of his ministry so successful in what he did and while on face value what he did didn't carry a lot of success as it continued to bear fruit after his life you see how successful he really was in serving the Lord and a lot of that came from his identity I think and the second thing you can learn from this process that God puts us in is that God prepares our perseverance in the process he prepares our perseverance in the process. Everybody say perseverance. perseverance. Romans chapter 5, Paul's writing about this later on in his life. And he says uh, in verse 3, Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance means that I am going to stick with this even if it's uncomfortable. I will not quit. I will not give up. I'm going to finish what I started. Now, when I reach the end of my life, I don't want my kids to say about me, oh, Dad was a great starter, but he didn't finish a lot of stuff. Like, Dad was really good at quitting stuff in life. I don't want that to be the legacy that I leave in the eyes of my kids. I want them to say, Dad was faithful. That he did what God told him to do, no matter what. In the good years and the bad years, when his health was good, when his health was bad, when it was fun, and when it was work, when it was difficult, Dad stuck with it and did what God told him to do. Dad finished. He didn't quit. He finished. He had perseverance in his life. Everybody say perseverance. Perseverance is incredibly important. Guys, if we don't have the, that stick 
to-itness that seems to be missing in society today. Have you ever seen a time where a culture quit stuff more frequently than it does today? What happened to finishing strong? What happened to crossing the finish line? What happened to not backing down but standing on your feet no matter what life threw at you? What happened to making a marriage work? What happened to parents staying at home and raising their kids? What happened to making sure that we did a good job? What happened to doing everything that God called us to do instead of tapping out and staying in a comfort zone? Perseverance. Perseverance. God wants to put you in places in life where you have to persevere, where you have to work through things because perseverance is a key ingredient in his development in your life. You remember that story about uh, the old mule that fell into the well? The farmer's favorite mule fell into this well. farmer's out one day fixing the to do some work he needed, his mule couldn't find it, and he says, oh no, he went and looked in the well, and there was a mule. And it broke his heart, and he didn't have the heart to shoot it. He said, what I'll do is I'll just bury it. So he took the shovel, started digging and throwing dirt in the old dried up well, and the dirt kept hitting the mule in the head and aggravated the mule, so he'd shake off the dirt, shake it off his back, and then he'd just pack it down with his feet and this went on all day the farmers digging throwing dirt in there landing on the mule he's shaking it off packing it down and before the day was done the mule had shaken off enough dirt and packed it down for him to get close enough to the top of the well to be able to jump out and run across the field what's the lesson you don't give up that you shake off the adversity that you stomp it under your feet and you make it work for you instead of against you. We need more of that in the church today. We need more of that in the church today. I'm not going to let this junk in life weigh me down. I'm not going to let it get in my spirit and weigh me down. I'm shaking it off. I'm shaking it off and I'm moving on with what God has called me to do. I'm going to persevere through this season of testing and pruning in my life. Because I know God is working something inside of me. And I can see it in, in the life of Paul later on in his ministry. You couldn't stop this guy. You couldn't stop him. Well, I guess I'm going to be shipwrecked today. I'm going to shake that off and find somebody to preach to. You can beat me with rods and you can beat me with whips. And I'm going to shake that off. And I'm still going to do what God's called me to do. They even, he was preaching in a city one time, and they got so worked up, they drug him outside of the city, they stoned him, and left him for dead. They wouldn't have left him for dead if they didn't think he was dead. They would have kept throwing rocks at him until he was dead. You see this? So Paul was laying there. They thought he was dead. They went back inside. The Bible says a group of believers got around him, prayed for him. Personally, I believe that God brought Paul back from the dead. He gets back up, shakes it off, dusts off his pants, walks back into that city and looks the people in the eye that had thrown the rocks at him and said, like I was saying, Jesus is so good and just kept preaching to them. He shook it off and walked back in and said, I got something. That is about the most gangster thing I've ever heard of in my life. You're going to kill me and I'm going to walk back in there and then finish preaching my sermon? Whoo! 
man, he shook it off and still did what God called him to do. Throw him in the inner cell of a prison. And about midnight, he's going to shake it off and start praising God and see that jail shaken to its foundation because you could not beat down his spirit. He knew who he was and he knew who he belonged to and he had a tenacity in him that could not be stopped. We need that in the world today. We need that in our church. We need that in our lives. There are too many people, too many people dying and going to hell for us to tap out and give up because we're going through some difficult stuff in life. There are too many marriages that need to be healed. There are too many kids ODing on drugs right now. There are too many people committing suicide. There are too many people lost and without Jesus for us to say we can't make it through this. The church of Jesus Christ needs to persevere. We need to press on. We need to be about the mission that God has called us to. We don't need to be a church of quitters. We need to be a church of get it done. Get it done. Get it done. You look all through Paul's life, that's what he was doing. He was almost unstoppable in what God had called him to do. So God starts with our identity. Because without our identity, we're not going to successfully walk through those seasons where we're going to need perseverance to work in us and grow us. We won't have any foundation to stay on. You know, the Bible says in James that we should count or count it as joy when we go through trials, tribulations in our life because the testing of our faith produces perseverance. And perseverance has to finish its work in us so that we can be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Perseverance has a purpose, guys. Perseverance has a purpose, and it's one of the most powerful tools that God will use in our lives. And it's not like God is sending all the bad stuff to us, but He's able to take all the stuff that we face and work it for our good and develop us through dealing with it. So that we can come out on the other side stronger and closer to him than when we went into it. He uses perseverance and the process to produce the next thing we're going to talk about. And God prepares our character in the process. Our character in the process. Romans 5, chapter 4. Paul's writing this continuance of what he's doing and he says you know you go through the suffering to produce the perseverance and perseverance produces character and character hope character is everything character is the foundation that you're building your life on we could probably use a little more character in Washington today don't you think probably use a little more character where you work, don't you think? There's like a, a shortage of character in the world today. See all these movie stars and athletes and musicians and they, they make it big and they get all this money and they achieve all this success only to see it implode on them. And they lose everything and they don't have the character it's needed to resist the temptation and so they lose their marriage because they cheat on their spouse and they don't have the strength of character to resist the pressure 
of their success and so they reach for drugs and alcohol to escape from the pressure instead of standing on their character. You know, your talent will open doors for you and get you to a level of success, but your character is what's going to keep you there. God is very concerned with developing the character in our lives. I want you to have this because what I have for your life is powerful. And if I can't get the character in you that's necessary to withstand the attacks of the enemy and the criticism of people, it's the pressure of life, you're going to implode. And I don't want to set you up for failure in your life. I want to set you up to succeed in what you do for my kingdom. So I'm going to keep you here until I develop the character in you and the integrity in you that's needed to step into where I'm calling you. Now some of y'all are there right now because you're going through the same season of life over and over and over again and you're going through the same struggles in life over and over again because God kind of got you in a holding pattern because he says there's so much more I want to do in and through you but I can't because if I pushed you any further I'd set you up for failure. So I'm going to hold you here. I, I used to play video games a lot when I was a teenager. You know, I, I remember saving up some money and I bought this game called The Legend of Zelda. You old school gamers, you know about that? And I'm, not t- I'm talking about old school NES. You blow in it if it didn't work and then you stuck it back in the console. Nintendo, Legend of Zelda. And Legend of Zelda had all these crazy maps and all these crazy things that you had to do for each level and all these tools that you had to find to unlock different things to get you to the next level. And I remember I navigated my way all the way through this game to the last boss, the final guy that I had to beat in this game. And I went into his lair and I got into the room and I started duking it out with this guy, hitting him with my sword and he'd disappear and throw fireballs at me. It was awesome. You know, 8-bit graphic. You can't get any better than that. I was fighting this guy, and he kept taking me out. I mean, every time I would fight him, I couldn't beat him. He would just take me out. And I don't get it. My friends are beating this thing. I haven't beat it yet. Why is this guy mopping the floor with me? I'm doing some damage, but I can't take him out. And one of my friends says, Hey, do you have a silver arrow? No, you can't kill him without a silver arrow. Oh, where do I get a silver arrow? Well, you're going to have to go back like two levels to find a silver arrow and then come back again to beat this guy. And that's what I had to do. I had to stop and go back and get what I needed and then go back again to the end of the game and then I took him out. And God will do the same thing in your life. He'll let you go so far and he'll say, no. No, you're not going to see a breakthrough in this until you stop and you go back and you get what you need. Until you deal with that thing that I keep putting my finger on. Because you've got to deal with that and persevere through it so that I can build that character in you so that you'll be able to stand. You'll be able to stand and move forward in what I'm calling you to do. It's like steps. When God calls you, this one step 
leads to the next and it leads to the next and he's developing and building your character the whole way because spoiler alert you're going to be in this process of growth with God until you breathe your last breath all of us are he's going to be growing us every step of the way so the question is how much passion do you want to have for God how much do you want to accomplish for the kingdom of God do you want to just be an average Joe and serve God in an average Joe way or do you want to take the next step that's going to lead you to that edge where you're going to have to leap out in faith you know sometimes progress in the kingdom of God looks like digression and he'll tell you to take a few steps back and a few steps back for him are miles of progress forward in his eyes you know, test your character. Do you have the humility to serve under somebody at work that's more qualified, or that's less qualified than you are? See, that's where you find out. Do you have the character to be able to show honor to someone and respect their position of authority when they themselves are not worthy of honor? Do you have that kind of character? That's what God is looking for. Do you have that kind of character? One step at a time move closer to Him as He's working and changing you from the inside out to make you who He's calling you to be. Remember when I bought my wife's wedding ring? It was really her engagement ring. Um, I remember I remember the night God told me I was going to marry her. We were in there with a bunch of friends and Kelly was putting some dishes in the cabinet and I looked over and I was just looking at her and God spoke to me and said, that's the one. I mean, I could take you to the place in the condo they were in where the arrow hit me in the hind end and it was over. Alright, she's the one. I got to put a ring on that finger so everybody knows she's off the market. So, I went and picked up a part-time job at the church I was serving in and they had this school that would that would meet the, the, that happen during the week, and so on Fridays we'd have to change all the classrooms over from school to Sunday school setups and church setups. And on Sunday nights we'd have to reverse it and set everything up for school that would start the next day. And that was my job. So I would go in at night, and Friday nights I'd spend working, Sunday nights I'd spend working doing all that, saving my money to buy this girl a ring. And like earning the money is not enough for me like I got to educate myself on it so I found a friend who had a brother who was a jeweler and I called him and I started picking his brain what do I need to look for I know some of these guys are just going to try to take me for a fool what do I need to look out for so he taught me about you know understanding the the uh, the clarity and the cut and the carrot of the diamond and how to gauge the quality of the stone you know and I was saving money the whole time it took me about six months to save up enough money to go shopping and I finally went shopping for this thing and it took me a couple of weeks of shopping to pick out what I wanted I actually picked the stone out that I wanted and I went to another store and found the setting that I wanted and I found somebody who could take the stone and the setting and put them together to make her ring just simple elegant everything that's Kelly in a ring. I knew she was going to love it. I spent every stinking dollar I had to my name on this ring to give to her. 
because it had great value to me because I wanted to be able to give her something that cost me I wanted to be able to give her something that she was going to love I was thinking earlier this week you know I spent all that money on what was basically just a piece of coal the same thing coal and a diamond diamonds come from coal now I would never spend every dollar I had on a piece of coal and give it to my wife but I would for a diamond the difference between a piece of coal and a diamond is pressure and time it's pressure and time pressure and time and I think one of the more difficult things about going through this process where God is refining us and we're in that pressure waiting on the time to pass and ready for him to take his chisel and cut us the way that he wants us to to present us as a beautiful precious stone is that while we're becoming that diamond under the pressure and time of God's process all we see is the coal in our lives and it gets frustrating. All we see are our failures and our faults and how we come up short and we see the successes of others and we don't see it in our lives. All we see is the coal. And we forget about the fact that we're a diamond in the making. And if we'll just trust our Father in heaven and let Him finish His work, He'll produce something beautiful in and through us. See, the coal is always the diamond and the diamond is always the coal the difference is what are you going to focus on what perspective are you going to have are you becoming something beautiful or are you the same old same old and the last thing that being in the process of growth that God puts us in is God prepares our hope in the process Paul's writing again in Romans 5 and he says and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us hope doesn't put us to shame and I'm here today to give some hope to some people and to remind you hey there's not anything wrong with you you're in the process your life isn't so jacked up you're in the process of God taking what you're walking through and making something beautiful out of it. I'm here to remind you to take your eyes off the coal and to put them on the diamond that God is shaping you into. It's pressure and time. Pressure and time. And the big question is, is can you take the weight well, if you're solid in your identity and you know who you are, then you will trust God through what He's walking you through and you'll persevere because you don't just know who you are but you know who you belong to. And that perseverance through the trials in life God will use to mold you and shape you and build that character into who He's called you to be to do what He's called you to do. And the hope is that He is on the other side working all things out for the good. He has a plan and what you're dealing with now. He's a purpose in what you're walking through right now. And if you'll trust Him and you don't give up, you don't tap out, and if you'll push through, guys, 
stuff that you've been wrestling with will lose its appeal and lose its strength. The stuff of this world is tugging on your heart. You'll lose the desire for that. If the desire to please God overwhelms you and grows from the inside of you. You've got to stay in the process. Most people's lives stop right here. They stop right at the edge. Right at the edge. Because we tap out in the fourth quarter. We tap out in the last round. We stop in the last minutes of the competition before we win the match. Instead of stepping out and trusting God to do what He said He would do. And build us on the other side of the cross.